Hey everyone, it's another Wednesday and it's your favorite time of the week. Everyone's favorite Alliance of American Football podcast, Fourth and in Inches. My name is Cage and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Michael Clement. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing great, Cage. You know, so excited for the AAF season. I don't even know what the NFL is anymore. Like, I, what does it stand for? I, I can't remember. I know there was a game Sunday, but all I know is I'm excited for the Alliance of American Football League to start. And honestly, Michael, I think everyone <laughs> it just else rolls should. off the tongue. <laughs> the Alliance of American Football. I mean, think about it. It rolls off way better than not Football League. I can't even tell you what the NFL stands for. Do you know, like, when these games start for the alliance of american football um i do and as every other aaf fan should know they start this saturday at 8 p.m on nfl network which you know hopefully soon enough will be called the aaf network once all of our fans here on the fourth and inches podcast so zuberously i don't even know if i'm using that word right tune in saturday night to watch the season finale season beginning season kickoff where san diego plays san antonio but michael i don't know about you maybe maybe we should hold off on the af talk till the end of the podcast we will will. i think a few more people want to know a few other things so why don't we pause our af podcast right now and start up our other one we do i forget um, what was it called um something like second and seven four second and four no no that doesn't sound right Third and eight? No. No. First and goal? No. But that first... First and ten. First, oh, my God. All right, all right. The number ten. Number ten. I can't, I can't count past it. It's it's always a stickler to get to. Honestly, I feel like it would be easier if it was on, like, a social media account. Like, say if we had first and ten pod for, like, Twitter or something like that. Or even using first and ten sports.com. That'd be way easier to roll off the tongue than just ten. Yeah, if only we had our own website that we owned and put stuff on for people to look at. What would we call that website? First and ten sports.com. With the number ten, With though, the, or the lettering? Yeah, the, num- the number ten, number because 10? the lettering was already taken. <laughs> at Amazon.com, we're talking to you. Yeah, Amazon, give us our site, Did we ever please. tell that story? No. I don't think we no, did, no. about how... Our orig- we were originally going to use the number 10, or le- sorry, the lettering 10, but when we tried to buy the do- domain, it was taken, so we looked it up, and Amazon owns the domain. Like, if you type it in, it go- brings you straight to Amazon's homepage. It's terrible. Yeah. Michael and I were pissed. Like, why would Amazon Jeff need Bezos. that? <laughs> Jeff Bezos got to there first. <laughs> Maybe that's why his, his wife is leaving him she was just pissed because he just got so many unneeded domains and like it was all on their credit card bill yeah i mean cage other than jeff bezos own domains where else can the people find us well not counting our aaf stuff aside if they want to follow us for actual nfl news they can also find us on facebook at first and number 10 and also on apple Spotify, which previously, or not not previously, I should say previously independently owned Anchor, but now Spotify recently purchased Anchor at first and symbol 10, number 10. You can find us on all of those. Don't forget to rate us five stars and subscribe. We always love your support, and I love hearing from you. I've actually had a lot of people, Michael, ask me if they can become, if they could pop on the show to talk about like a segment or a team that I know, where they're like peers and friends, which is really cool. To see they that. definitely can in the future because that's what, we're, we're, we we got a lot of time on a lot of content 
openings. Yeah, with uh, the right NFL now. ending, we can o- Michael and yeah. I can only talk about the AAF so much. So yeah, I've definitely let them know, but it's uh, really cool to see all of our peers and family and friends and other people out there watching us. So yeah, you can definitely follow us on that. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and rate us five stars. We'd appreciate it. Get us, you know, out there. But besides that, besides our future AAF podcast, Michael, how are you doing this week? I'm doing. I'm. 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 I'm actually. You're probably riding, ecstatic. After I'm riding Sunday. high. Right, to my, be completely honest, I ate a whole pizza on Sunday, a whole Domino's pan pizza, and that was. This is an unsponsored thing, but I ate a whole pizza, and I still regret it. You always do. Later. Every yeah. single time, Michael and I ever order pizza. He eats a whole one, and then the next day he's dead, like literally deceased. It's it's a vicious cycle, <laughs> because on one it's good like eating the pizza, and then it's just bad me inevitably throwing it up. Everything afterwards is just all downhill from there. But yeah, I'm riding high. Um, the Patriots they they won a decently big game. A little bit a, of big game. Yeah, it wasn't too too important. So you big know, games coming up though. You missed the you missed the parade in you missed the parade in Boston though, unfortunately. I did because I'm in southwestern Connecticut and there was no way I could have made that drive. That is a hop, skip, and a jump away. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's it's two hours away from our home town. So I think it's about close to three. Do we have an idea Boston? on how many people went to that parade? Um I think I'm curious. Um, last night they, I think it was reported that on like around 1.5 million people went. I was gonna say from what I've seen which of is photos, a crazy amount. It looks like it was at least a million. Yeah, it was one and a half million, uh, allegedly. I mean that was an estimate. Yeah, and which is funny because the Eagles or Eagles fans were like, yeah, like 700 thousand people showed up to our parade. Like, <laughs> the, the people like um. Eagles Twitter was literally talking shit after people, the Super Bowl because they're like, no, not like we had seven hundred thousand people at our parade. The Patriots are not going to get nearly amount that number, and then the Patriots doubled that. And, and keep in mind, this is easily the weakest Patriots team out of any of their six Super Bowls, and they're worth showing. A hundred, a hundred percent, and and they had fifty percent, one point five million estimated people there. The Eagles won their first ever Super Bowl. Philadelphia, listen, you can't, you can't talk shit. If you can't show up to it, yeah, I love well, you, I mean, Philly fans. We are unbiased here. Too busy. They were too busy, like, like recovering after like going hard after the true. Super Bowl. I'm pretty after sure, like, won. when Philadelphia won, the actual city of Philadelphia was destroyed. Like, yeah, I remember seeing like like light posts being torn down. We have we know yeah. people that went there, and it uh, they said it was wild. But yeah. that's in the past. The Eagles are not. The latest Super Bowl champions. The Patriots have won it the is Super Bowl. The Patriots. And uh, what a I, Super Bowl it was. Why don't we kind of get into it now? We'll kind of recap the giant, the big game, or, you know, an okay game, I guess, as Michael said. And then we'll kind of go <laughs> into okay some headlines game. and finish off with a nice front office roundtable. So, Michael, yes. start us off as usual. Uh, tell me, let, let us know about the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl was what a lot of people are calling the worst Super Bowl in probably Super Bowl history. And I kind of agree there. It was the final score was thirteen to three. Patriots scored a touchdown and the only touchdown of the game in the final quarter of the game. It was three three up until then, but it was extremely a defensive like battle. 
it was a hundred percent just a defensive game and it was not entertaining whatsoever but i mean for like probably true football fans it was it was fun to watch i i, I enjoyed watching the game like i said um as a football fan you know as one who does enjoy defensive games it was really as really interesting to just see the battle of the trenches and just the defensive playing i mean i'm the same way it's just since i am biased towards liking the patriots it was just it, I, I was like almost actually eating my fingernails at one point hmm. just I mean, because it was just back and forth and back and forth and it was just so close it was so gridlocked the whole game and it had me terrified because like Patriots offense was going off the past like two games in the playoffs and then when they played the Rams they couldn't get anything going well the Rams did have a good defense I mean the game was being replayed yesterday and I was watching some of it while I was like doing homework and stuff and I it, it I forgot that the fourth quarter started and it was still 3-0 it was the fourth yeah literally it was 3-0 at the start of the fourth I mean Rams get a touchdown. It's 7-3. They have the lead. It was a very low-scoring, very close game. I, I think one of my big takeaways, and it was obviously said a lot, is the Dolphins' new head coach, Brian Flores. The Dolphins had to have been loving what they saw because he played a great game plan on defense. Really, uh, Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson, you know, Gurley's quote, injury aside, they were both non like not there. Jared Goff looked like he really was having a tough time. There were times where I would see yeah. him roll out of the pocket and then just wait to get hit because he he just didn't know he he didn't want to throw the ball away. He kept trying to force plays and instead it just sack sack you know interception. And and to one up you there, I mean the Dolphins also today hired um the Patriots wide receiver coach Chad O'Shea, and they probably liked what he was doing too with Julian Edelman. Edelman had I think around 140 receiving yards. Yeah. He had, which is which is crazy. He had uh, I think he finished the playoffs with like around three hundred and fifty. Edelman had a great game. I will say I believe that a defensive MVP. Like I really think I saw, I saw on Twitter somebody made a great debate on Kyle Van Noy. I really think Van Noy could have won Super Bowl MVP. Um, People were saying Gilmore too. Gilmore, yeah. I, I think I think I really. I, I really like the Edelman pick. I I, I agree, but the thing is, it, like you said, it was a defensive game. How can you really say how it defensive was, a game? But at the same time, like, just the only like the only person you could see working that Patriots offense, like making things work, and like getting forward progress, just consistently was Edelman. Yeah. Everyone else, even Gronk, Gronk didn't like aside show, from I his mean, one had, catch like, four, in like the fourth well, quarter. He had about like five catches. No, but I'm saying but like his his the yeah, big catch that he had the that yeah that big catch was like his only like highlight play. The others were just like dink and dunks. It was but like at, but every like third down conversion, I would see just Edelman like flying out of the air to like catch the ball. Yeah, I mean, like downfield. I mean, you could tell he, he consistently just did very very well. Yeah, well, I'm, and I, the thing is, I mean, no, go ahead, Michael. I apologize. Oh yeah, I, I was just going to finish that off with saying Brady could not have made any progress with that offense if it weren't for Edelman. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the thing is, too, credit to the Rams' defense. They, they did play really well. But the Rams just were out out coach and out-match in every way. You could tell almost none of their players had been to a Super Bowl, besides, I believe, eight players, where the Patriots, most of their team had been to multiple Super Bowls and won multiple Super Bowls. It, it is yeah. really tough to handle that when so when you know the Rams are probably nervous they were probably nervous the whole week unprepared the Patriots just another game to them they're that used to it and it really did show 
Um, I so I really think I mean I said it to you and I've said it to our buddies before, like in our group chat. I do think the Rams will be back here. I could really see the Rams winning in the future. They have a good team and a really good young nucleus. I think they just need to get more experience. I mean, look what they did in the two years with Sean McVay. Then they did in like yeah. the the seventy with Jeff Fisher. It's yeah. They, I feel like they are definitely, they were very ahead of schedule by making the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I mean, but I will say one of my biggest upsets and disappointments with the Super Bowl was not necessarily you know patriots or rams it was the halftime show michael and oh my god you know it it really it really bothered me that you know we get this hype up and what happens michael well i'll tell you what happens maroon five baited maroon us. five baited us i don't know if anyone here is aware or if you are about the sweet victory thing but it's been a it's been a long-going thing that people have been trying to get maroon five to play sweet victory and honestly they've kind of teased that they would there was even like a petition or something to get them to sign it it got a stupid amount of signatures. Then there were rumors that there was like people wearing SpongeBob shirts in the crowd when they were practicing a couple days before. And what happens? Maroon 5 plays a couple songs, then it fades out. Then you see the start of Sweet Victory, the start of it play. I jumped out of my seat and then I literally jumped I, I jumped out I, of my I, seat. I, I literally face planted. Me and my sister jumped and we were so excited. And then all of a sudden, as if God just Burned into ashes, sicko mode started playing. And I oh my immediately, God. Was, the second that I, happened, I walked. My stomach dropped. I walked downstairs into my room and booted up Super Smash Brothers. And I played Super Smash Brothers till the third quarter. The second sicko mode came on and they baited us with this sweet victory, I just walked downstairs and I didn't want anything to do with it. Maroon 5 played. They the played us like, like a fiddle, fiddle is what they, they played did. the media like a fiddle. They got everyone hyped. They were like, okay, like, if we keep marketing that we're going to do this... Everyone's going like, to want to watch it. Yeah, and they, they, like, gave us, like, a little bit. They gave... At least they gave us, like, A fraction some, of it. Yeah, it was, yeah, like, something dumb. Something to go home with. Dumb, 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 dumb. Yeah. And then it you just hear for, like, two mode. seconds. At least they actually, like, did it for, like, the two seconds. But at the same time, like, why would you just do it, like... At that all. was such, like, a cheap, It was like, a cheese. It was... It, it was, like, a cheap cop-out. And honestly, I'm more disappointed in that than the Super Bowl itself. It, yeah. it, it was a, a letdown to say the least, and it's a big reason why I mean, we're switching think, over to an AAF podcast, if you ask me. Adam Levine <laughs> think, is not a friend of this show. Adam Levine is not a friend of the First and Ten podcast, but I'd like to invite Big Boy to okay. be a friend of the First I, I and will, Ten I'll, podcast. I'll, we, can, we can table that. I definitely... I, big Boy, like, he was the highlight of the halftime show, I, I think. I didn't necessarily see it, because like I said, I literally walked downstairs. Well, okay. Like, but I, I do not, respect it, Big his Boy. His performance... His performance was really bad. Mm -hmm. However, I was literally crying at seeing, like, just in the middle of, like, Maroon 5's performance, they just, like, panned to, like, the left side of, like, the stage, and all of a sudden, just out of the crowd, like, the crowd just parted, like, the Red Sea or some shit, <laughs> and, uh, and, like, a goddamn, like, automobile just comes up onto the stage out of nowhere. Out of, I, I, I was, like, perplexed. And, and then Big Boy just rolls out and does his thing. But, like, his mic isn't working. So he's, like, he's do trying to do his thing. But, like, it just sounds really quiet. And then he just leaves. Did he <laughs> leave in the car? I Like, I'm curious. He, um, I forget how he left. But I don't think, I don't think it was in the car. But still, regardless, it had me, like, just in tears. That. Literally. Uh, because he, <laughs> it just appeared out of nowhere. 
he he's dude he's big boy honestly i i feel like that was hearing that i kind of wish i missed that or like wish i didn't miss that part because that sounds like the highlight of the half that sounds like the highlight of the super bowl if you ask me that sounds more exciting than sony michelle's like the only touchdown of the game sony michelle's like one um, yard run my favorite play from the super bowl definitely was that play when it was i think the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. and the rams are trying to get back and brandon cook's beat stefan gilmore oh like, yeah that so was the fourth quarter like yeah gilmore like just kept rolling up out left to the sideline brandon cooks cut right he was like wide waiting open. in the end zone he was literally and jason wide McCourty, open. jason mccourty from the right side of the field ran all the way down like in a diagonal line from like the sideline to the middle of the end zone where brandon cooks was and swatted the ball away yeah, I I did I I, I will say I, that was this phenomenal play by McCourty. I I I have been super critical of Jason McCourty this whole season, mm-hmm. and just seeing that one play that he made, it it just made me really happy. Everything went away. All your critiques are gone. Everything went away. Same thing with Stefan Gilmore after that after that pick he got. Mm-hmm. I I I now appreciate him immensely. Yes, I mean Stefan Gilmore. We already know had a very good year, but yeah, that was a that was a great great play by McCourty. In the clutch, honestly, like if they didn't have that, the Rams would have been up at the time seven to three, which could have been a huge hmm. momentum swing for them. Had on the uh, so on the other side of the football, let me let me ask you a question here, mm-hmm. Cage, because a lot of people are saying, or a lot of people are speculating rather, that Jared Goff might not be who we cut him out to be. He the people are now saying like, is Jared Goff really the guy that should be leading the Rams right now? I, and just because of this one Super Bowl loss, so let me let me ask you, what are your thoughts on that? First of all, um, and secondly, do you think that Jared Goff is like not the right guy for the Rams, or do you think that he's just kind of going through? I mean, he was just inexperienced in that one Super Bowl. I think win. a lot of it was inexperience, but I also think it was inexperience with Sean McVay too. I I don't think he was as prepared. I mean, he said it. He said it in the press conference afterwards. He was out coached. Um, I definitely think Jared Goff has gotten a lot of slack. I think his whole career saying that Sean McVay is really the only reason he's playing well. And I don't, I don't think Jared Goff is a Patrick Mahomes or a Baker Mayfield or an, a Deshaun Watson. I don't, but I, I think he's good. And I really think the argument of a system quarterback, you can make that argument, but you know, it's like Cam Newton and Ron Rivera. You say the system quarterback. If Cam Newton spends his whole career in Carolina, it doesn't matter. If he puts up crazy numbers, it doesn't matter. He doesn't have to go to another team. So his legacy will never be stunted because he'll only put up good stats. Even if he was a quote system quarterback, he's with the Panthers his whole career. So you'll never really, you'll never know. Same with Jared Goff. If Jared Goff and Sean McVay spend their whole career together in LA, yeah, maybe if Jared Goff was put on any other team, he wouldn't be as good. He'd be okay. But you can't, you know, say he's a bad quarterback when he had one bad game. He he obviously, look at all season. He, you know, they had one of the best offenses. I do think I will say a credit to their downfall was, and it was a really good article. I, it wasn't ESPN. I forget where I saw the article. But they brought up how if you look at, at the Rams' offense, after their bye week, after they played that huge Monday night football game in Kansas City, if you look at their offense past that, it plummeted. Their offense, for one reason or another, we may never know, 
was never the same after their game against the Chiefs. Never. Their their statistics, their rushing yards a game, passing yards a game, total yards a game, touchdowns a game, everything was worse. And, you know, I don't know if maybe they peaked and maybe the bye week hurt them, but they just were not, the whole team as a whole was not playing as well. Just no one really realized it because at that point they had only had, I, I think, they hadn't even lost yet, or maybe they had one loss when they lost to the Saints the week before, right? Regardless, one loss or no losses. So no one was really saying anything because they were still the top dogs. But it was very noticeable to look at now once you see that. And I definitely implore you to. So I think it was a Rams as a whole that they kind of fell apart. And I really think that Jared Goff should be their guy for years to come. He would need some crazy fall from earth. Like, within the next few seasons, he would need to just plummet statistic-wise for them to consider not, you know, starting him or to not have him as their quarterback. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think he's, he and McVay were just really inexperienced in a playoff setting mm-hmm. because you could you could see it immediately when the Rams rolled into New Orleans, and that was Goff's first road playoff game. And Goff for the first half was like completely lost. Well, and also the thing he, is, he, he he looks similar in the Super Bowl. But yeah, it's because I mean, the, there like, were yeah. you know we it's a known fact L A isn't the biggest you know football fans as we've seen or at least Rams Chargers fans. But yeah. I mean, you look at the statistics after that game of what they estimated were Patriots fans to Rams fans. It was mind blowing. I literally know people that went to Atlanta, a few people that I used to go to college with, and they, they said that they did not see any Rams fans in sight for days until the day of the Super yeah. Bowl. They saw some Rams fans. There were none. And we know yeah, Boston there a, travels there, there well. There was a Brady chant going at the Super Bowl at one yeah, point. Yeah, that does not happen if it's not completely stacked in one direction. And that's what it was. I mean, think about it. Like you said, when he played in New Orleans, it was the same situation. But at least then, it was a home game. It, it The Super Bowl, it should not have been that stacked for the Patriots' favor. The Rams, you can argue yes or no, but the Rams were playing an away game. That that was an away game to yeah. them to the extent, and the Patriots were playing a home game more or less. Now, I don't think it helped it factor that much for the Patriots' favor, but I think it definitely it really hurt the didn't. Rams. Yeah. It probably just got, I mean, Goff uncomfortable to begin with, and that's why he struggled at, on offense at first. And then he just kind of... It just became a precedent for the rest of the game. Yeah. Really. Come on. And just New England's defense was just phenomenal. And to give the Rams the credit, I mean, that's due. Their defense was probably even better. I mean. Because they were they were going up against Brady. And the thing is, we, we talk about this all the time. And it's, it's funny because, you know, we had a podcast, one of our first ever podcasts, where our front office roundtable was discussing just about what to do with these high-powered offenses. And it's really yeah. funny because – at the end of the day, honestly, like defenses really do win you championships. And at the end, hmm. and this was a defensive side to both fronts. It was really whatever offense could push through the first. But I mean, look at the past few Super Bowls. Last year, there was no off, no defense. But the Patriots and the Eagles had no defensive presence last year, I and mean, that's why it was a shootout. The year before, yeah, they were the greatest comeback of all time. But think about it: the Falcons' defense. Had the Patriots doing nothing the first half, and then it was the other way around. The Patriots' defense shut out the Falcons, basically, more or less. The year before that, the Broncos, the Panthers had the best offense in the league. They had one loss. They were 15-1. and And the Broncos had, what, the Panthers put up, like, 10 points that Super Bowl? Yeah, the Panthers got 
royally shut it, down. It just defense is really put in such a factor nowadays, more so in big games. I think the regular season really does the offense affects it like or the offense has a lot more of a favor during the regular season but i feel like when it's crunch time and everything's on the line a def- a good defense can can ride you out to the end yeah exactly but the thing is like on paper the rams had like have such a better high powered defense than new england does but like but that's another problem too is you know, the, you could argue the coaching. Like I said, the Dolphins, I think the Dolphins are very happy with their hire now, getting Brian yeah. Flores after what they saw they're, from him. They're very content um, with him. Just because, like, I, gr- they, they, I think he's the first Miami head coach that they gave, like, a five-year deal to, like, right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, like, they're, 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 like, guaranteeing him those a lot years, of money. too, I think. And, and the thing is, too, though, I mean, yes, the Rams on paper have – we talked about this during our Super Bowl podcast. The Rams on paper have a pro bowler at, I would say, 9 out of the 11 starting positions. They have a pro bowler. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be amazing. We've seen this before. Sometimes when you have all these stars, it is really hard to get a good chemistry going. And I feel like that's one of the toughest problems. On top of the fact that we've said this, the Patriots' best or Bill Belichick's strongest suit is game planning to take away the best player. Aaron Donald was a non-factor that game. He was nothing. It's no credit to Aaron Donald or discredit. Aaron Donald, we know, is right now shaping up to be a Hall of Famer with the career he's having. Just Bill Belichick is that good where he knows what to do to make him, Aaron Donald, look like he's, you know, Joe Schmo in the AAF. And I'm sure you definitely agree with me, Michael, on this one. It really... I, I don't know. It's just very interesting to look at. And I really think that it's tough to say or say the Rams because of how good of defensive players they have should have factored in that much because we know how good of a coaching staff the Patriots have. Yeah. Although, you know, I, I completely agree. So, you know, as we've said before, the, the Super Bowl might have been a little slow or sluggish, but it was a defensive shutout. And unfortunately, it closed the books on what another good NFL season I think was. Um, really enjoyable, but it isn't the end of the NFL. You know, the off season's here. We're already getting some bigger headlines. As we mentioned, I guess we can start the headlines off by saying how the Dolphins hired Brian Flores, and we mentioned that they he's and, Chad O'Shea. and he brought Chad O'Shea is as the OC. The uh, final of the head coaching hirings also happened on Monday. The Bengals brought in the Rams quarterback coach Zach Taylor. Who that should be an interesting hire because clearly we can now see Sean McVay's tree is going to start like Andy Reid and Belichick. People are going to start plucking from it to get head coaches because they think that's what they want. You know, they want to follow the trend of the NFL. Because that's what the NFL ultimately is. It's basically a giant trend center. Whatever the trend is, everybody follows it. And for that, the Bengals are trying to go with a young head coach, offensive guru to help at least rejuvenate Andy Dalton's career. He's had a rough few last few years. The Patriots also uh, hired Greg Schiano as their defensive corner, which we all kind of predicted. It was basically the writing was on the wall from what we saw. He was at the senior bowl for them. It was inevitable. I'm more interested to see your thoughts on the Bengals uh, head coach hiring. I'm really, I really don't know what to think about Zach Taylor, mm-hmm. to be honest, because yes, he's, he's groomed Goff and Goff looks good right now, but does that really like make him like, up to be controlling a whole team it, like i don't really get that 
I, I completely agree, and it, it's it's tough. I mean, you make the same arguments, honestly, or people have made the same arguments with Patriots head coaches. Like, for years, we really questioned if Matt Patricia was the right thing for a head coaching thing, and... It, it, we still don't really know right now. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. I think it's going to be... I don't know. Like, Zach Taylor is the biggest question mark for me for head coaching because you know brian flores i was a little confused about not confused but wondering but after this playoff showing the whole playoff i've i'm now not questioning it at all but zach taylor like you said he groomed jared goff but how well is he going to be coaching his old team he needs to now be a leader of a whole team i will say i really feel like we can't be too judgmental about it though because you know we all said the same thing when sean McVay was hired everyone said the same thing and he proved us wrong so I really yeah. think time will tell with Zach Taylor, but I think him and Hingle, McCringleberry, Cliff Klingsbury on the Cardinals are going to be two of the biggest names to see just how they produce their first year. I think yeah. Bengals more so too because the Bengals aren't in a rebuild. They're not. At least they haven't come they, out and said they're they've not. Been, they've been out of a rebuild for the past yeah, four they, years. They, they have not they have said they're no rebuilding. They, they've said that they're trying to win. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do with that. Some other news, though, not head coaching or not coaching related. Uh, the Eagles picked up Nick Foles' option. Yes. Uh, however, I yes. have seen reports that Nick Foles is planning, or if he hasn't, he is going to or already has, opt out of the option. It makes sense for Nick. I mean, both sides make sense. The Eagles picking up the option makes sense because... You know, they do that and they are guaranteed to get something like a higher, a first or a second round pick for trading him. Obviously, if Nick Foles declines it, then he can get a giant contract with a different team. Rather than yeah. a he be traded and he gets no money because that team, whatever team trades him is going to keep his small deal. You know what I mean? Mm. So that was pretty big. And then also bigger news, uh, the Falcons released or waived their kicker, Matt Bryant, 43-year-old kicker. Yeah, his career is His career is, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, honestly, with the state of kicking in the NFL, I wouldn't be shocked if other teams like the Bucks and Jets that have had kicking problems work him out. Um, I do think, though, his kicking career, 43, it's probably more so over, I would imagine, at yeah. least. Yeah, we're starting to get to the trend where teams are taking in younger kickers just to just to have a kicker for multiple years. Yeah, I mean, not everyone can play till however old Adam Vinatieri is, but that man is just a, a journeyman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it uh, it it's definitely going to be interesting. I mean, Adam Vinatieri is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Matt Bryan is a good a good kicker, but you know. He's no, he's no Santa Claus that the Colts have. He doesn't have that yeah. much magic. But yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. I feel like in the next few weeks, we'll have a lot more waving and option pickups that we'll be able to talk about. This is just kind of the slow churn of it all. We need to give it a few more weeks before everything kind of put together and formulate. Definitely will be interesting to see, but I think we should finish off this episode with a little bit of discussions. And, you know, as we said for our front office roundtable, like I just said, what what are we looking forward to for this offseason? I think the biggest thing for me right now, at the moment, like I have a, I have a list of things. I think what has been topping it though for like since the towards the end of the season, the regular season that is, I just want to see where Joe Flacco is going to wind up. Mm-hmm. Because I mean he's obviously out of Baltimore, he's going to get traded. 
I mean, I I also put Nick Foles in this boat just because and Teddy Bridgewater, and Teddy Bridgewater because they're all three of them are quarterbacks that are now backups, and also and um, they'll all be free agents. Well, Flacco yeah. won't be. Flacco, However, like, could get released. Well, he's not going to get released, or he shouldn't, because the Ravens shouldn't. the Ravens have openly said that their plan is to talk with him, and he is going to pick out what team he wants to go to. Yeah, I think. Out of any team right now, I would like to see Joe Flacco go to Denver. I feel like that would just be a really good fit for him, really good fit for the team because they don't really want like a strong arm quarterback. They want someone that could run something similar to what they're doing. What on they've offense. done on I offense mean, and not the case. Yeah, it's tragic. more of a it's more of a run first, pass second. Team. See, it's interesting to me because a big thing that I'm going to be looking for with these quarterbacks is the Redskins because Washington has said that. Bearing a miracle, Alex Smith will not be able to play next season, the whole season, because of how bad his injury is. Which obviously, like we said when it happened, you know, we pray that Alex Smith will be able to play another snap again, but we don't know. Yeah. So as of now, he's not even going to be able to play next season. So the Redskins, they don't have a quarterback unless if they want to stick with the Josh Johnson train. Look, he's he's getting some reps in the AAF. He the is, AAF. No, he's not in the AAF. Oh, he he's in the he's in the arena football league. Get it right, Michael. Oh, I thought he was in the AAF. No, no, he's in the AFL. Also, the the acronym AAF just throws me for a loop every time. It I is think so. About it. it does not roll off the tongue. I know you said it rolls off the tongue better. It does not roll off the tongue like, better at all. I feel like the AAFL would be better than the AAF. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I digress. Yeah, yeah. We we we're not talking about the AAF just yet. Yeah, so yes. Washington needs a quarterback, but at the same time, I don't think they're in a position to trade necessarily for Joe Flacco or Nick Foles, just because they traded a lot for Alex Smith last year. So really, it's going to be tough. I feel like they need to maybe draft a quarterback, honestly, so they have a rookie deal they don't need to worry about. I agree. And then have Alex Smith kind of mentor him, rather than, because you know Bridgewater, Flacco, um even Tannehill and, you know, all of these quarterbacks are going to want – Foles are going to want these big money deals. And the the Washington yeah. just doesn't have that because they gave Alex Smith a big money deal. So they don't have the money to pay these quarterbacks. So I really think they're going to – they should be looking for maybe through the draft. But not even just I – think, um, I think a dream scenario for Washington would be if Ryan Tannehill was released from Miami because they'd have some leverage there. Mm-hmm. Because they could just be like, look, Tanhill, like, we know you want money, but we need a quarterback, and we don't want to give you the money. And you need to That prove does not sound like us. a lot of leverage. I'm going to be honest with you. It there's, sounds like Tanhill no... has all the leverage right there. Look, man, I'm, I'm, not the, I'm not the one with the business degree. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that sounds the opposite of leverage, actually. That, that, it's just like, you just, you look, just said, Tannehill, hey, listen, we to... know you want money. We won't give you money. but We're not going to give you the money. <laughs> <laughs> we know other teams like... will give you the money. No, I mean, I think a dream scenario for Washington is to make, is to draft someone, like I said. But quarterbacks aren't the only thing I'm looking for, Michael. I'm I'm super excited for this. I think the Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes are going to be very exciting. Same thing with the, the Antonio Brown sweepstakes. I completely if, forgot about that. The, the whole Steelers falling apart Steelers sweepstakes. Do, yeah, the Steelers falling apart sweepstakes. Jesse James is leaving them, too, in free agency, most likely. I mean, it's not really falling apart because they have, when you have Juju and James Conner, you're 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 pretty set on your offense, at least for an offense. They're falling nucleus. apart, and then Juju and James Conner save them. Yeah, so like the, the Steelers will be, will be fine. <clears throat> Apologies. Do you think um, Ben Roethlisberger will retire this offseason? 
It's it's so tough. I can't even make a guess just because the past like five seasons it seems like he says this, and then August he'll be like, "I'm playing again." So I don't know. <laughs> hey guys, Ben Roethlisberger here. Hey, hey everyone's favorite Ben Roethlisberger. He just shows up to he just shows up to training camp like with his cane and walker, and Mike Tomlin like <laughs> trips him on the sidelines and is like, "I didn't trip him. I don't know what you're talking about." I feel like oh boy. I feel like Michael. That joke is years old. Yeah. Also, why are you saying, oh, boy, you're not even a Ravens fan? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. But, yeah, I think the Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown is going to be really, really exciting to watch where those teams go because they're both – well, Antonio Brown isn't necessarily going to want a lot of money cause, since he's going to be making a lot of money. But whatever team gets them is going to be taking on huge contracts for both of them. Yeah, 100%. I think um, I could see Le'Veon Bell either going to the Jets or the Colts. Mm, I could I could see and- so. I, I, I want to see A.B. go to San Francisco. I feel like that would be cool. I think so, too, because like me and you said, Jimmy Garoppolo and you know Kyle Shanahan can really be a force in the NFC, but they need pieces. Matt Breida is yeah. is not enough. And, you know, Matt Breida— Marquise Goodwin is also a very underrated receiver. He, Marquise Goodwin is very good. I mean, he's super fast, but he's not enough. You The thing is, he's very fast, and he's an over-the-top receiver, but you need a receiver who will be able to run— those, you know, curl routes and those hook routes and just kind of, you know, the possession the, the in the middle of the field routes to kind of get the ball. Marquise Goodwin really doesn't do that that well because, he, like you said, he's the over to the top. He's the receiver you have run those flies or those posts or those flags to kind of burn the safeties deep or to keep them guessing. So that way, if they chase Goodwin, then you have that receiver in the middle. And Antonio Brown does all of it. So I think he'd be really well in addition. And I mean, I'm sure Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't complain. Also, they have um, George uh, George Kittle. Yes. All right. I, I thought it was I, I was I think Pro Football Focus is one of their best. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I ranked I, tight ends. I think he was the best ranked tight end this season. I almost called him Greg. Him and Zach Ertz. Almost. Greg. I almost, but I was like, nah. I thought his name was Greg, I was like, nah. George sounds way better. Yeah, I mean, like, there aren't too many Georges in the league. True, there there aren't many Georges. There's George Kittle and Curious George. I can't even George? name another George. I think Curious George, right? And George. Yeah, I think that's it. George yeah. George Kittle and Curious George. That's those are the yeah. only Georges in the league. <laughs> Curious George in the AAF. <laughs> Listen, all right, well, I guess speaking of AAF, we should go to our second, our bonus roundtable. And yeah. are you watching the AAF? Michael, will you um, be watching the AAF this weekend? Being completely honest, probably not. Oh, my gosh, I'm however, disappointed. However, I'm taking my team now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm picking a team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand by them the whole season. Okay. I, I don't know if I'll watch their games. Maybe I'll look at their scores and be like, hey, good job, guys. Okay. Um, I'm going all in on the Arizona Hot Shots. All right, all right. Uh, I, now, question: I, I do. Michael and I, for those of you, since obviously you don't know what we do during pre-show, Michael and I spent an unprecedented amount of time researching the AAF. We spent a good half an hour looking at every team's rosters and coaching staffs. Which I honestly, yeah. I would, I really hope that you all take some time, take five minutes to look at the coaching staff and rosters of these eight teams. It will make your day. The the. <laughs> The biggest reason I like the hot shots, I mean, their color scheme is also really cool. But, however, I just really like the idea of them having a defensive tackle named Chunky Clements. <laughs> His name is Chunky. It's Michael's fat alter ego. Yeah. 
And also Scooby Wright, former linebacker for I think he was on the He was on the Bucks. Browns and then the Cardinals. I, I wanna say he was on the Bucks too. Maybe. He I know he I know he got drafted by the Browns. He was the Browns like sixth round draft yeah. pick. He- Scooby's also on the team. And if you're into bad punters, Jeff Locke is on the team. Nick Folk, former uh kicker for the Jets. Although we should press it. Kickers have almost no point in the AAF, which is one of my favorite things about the Alliance of American yeah. Football. Yeah, you want to would you so, would you care so elaborating the, on that? The page? Alliance of American Football has a few, it's basically NFL rules, although there are a few tiny differences. For starters, there's no kickoffs. So every time there's a change, you know, new score or whatnot, there's no kickoff, the other team just starts at the 25. There's also no PATs, so whenever you score and no a touchdown, onside kicks either. I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there, Michael. Slow, slow and steady. You gotta build it up to the best one. So there's no PATs. Instead, you always you have go to go two. for two. Always go for two. Go big or go home. Also, as Michael said, there are no onside kicks. So if you want to do an onside kick in the AAF, what happens is you start at your own 35 on a fourth and ten scenario, and if you convert then you keep the ball. If you don't, then the other team gets the ball wherever it's spotted. So it's balls to the wall. And honestly, I really like that. That reason, I think that's like super cool. That reason alone. I I'm going to, I think, I don't know if I'll watch the AAF every week, but I'm definitely going to watch the season opener, the kickoff just to check it out. Well, actually I I, I may like skip it a little bit, but I, I, I really like the idea of that. Just like going completely offensive. Like, so actually this does like high scoring. Action. This does affect things. Michael, do they play on actual football fields? I forgot. I think they do. Okay. All right. That's all that matters. As long as it's not like, <laughs> no, they play on a basketball court. Dude. Well, listen, the Raiders play on baseball fields. So, you know, we, we don't really assume here. So I love how I love how some AAF teams have their own stadium, but like, <laughs> but the Raiders don't right now. The Raiders don't. Yeah, there are certain AAF teams with their own stadium, also, and the Raiders. Shout out to the AAF for having two coaches, one named Hugh Freeze and one named Bobby Blizzard. <laughs> also, shout out to my favorite AAF team, the Atlanta Legends, because their offensive coordinator is none other than Michael Fick. And I am legitimately going to watch the Atlanta Legends game just to see Michael Vick coach a team. I think that is amazing and hilarious and everything. And on my honest opinion about it, though, is I really don't think it can be that bad. I really think it could be into, like, a D-League or a G-League. I guess it's called, like, baseball. If Because if you think about it, it's football. You know, it it's just there's no stars attached to it. There's some, like, yeah. you know, there's the Christian Hackenbergs and, like, the burnouts. Trent Richardson is on a team. But it's still football. Like, what's the difference? Yeah. And it, it, it's not, you know, that's why I want to give one game a shot. Like, really do want to watch a game or even a half. I think I think it'll be really because interesting. Because if it is an actual like... competitive game of football, like, if it is close and it's not either 0-0 or, you know, 50-0, then I, I don't see why it wouldn't be watchable. I really don't see why it wouldn't be something you'd want to tune into. Yeah, I feel like it'll be really like I said, maybe not every single it, week. It'll, it'll be a hit or miss. Yeah, that that's it. It's either like if this thing, but if it's a hit, I really feel like there's potential here in being almost like a D league or a G league for football. Yeah, which will which will be entertaining. But like I said, it's going to be a hit or miss. It, all that matters is, are these teams going to be competitive? Is it, it it can't be like the arena football league or, you know, the is it competitive football? 
Are there actually close games? Are players actually playing well? Because I would imagine a lot of these players, if not all of them, are playing in this league to get noticed by NFL teams. I would imagine so. So it really is a pseudo, you know, D-League, for lack of a better term. Because I can't imagine most of these players are settling for these teams, not inspiring to make it to the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, I think there are a lot of undrafted rookies. I think Devin Lucian, mm-hmm. um, who was an undrafted rookie for the Patriots a little bit, he's a wide receiver. He's on a team. Exactly, right that's what I'm saying. So, so I think it's just I think it's just guys that like had very short stints in the NFL and are trying to look for a are, second chance or to get noticed or even yeah. to get get a paycheck to f- put food on the I table. I think there are also guys that are just there to have fun which also just i mean makes the game even better yeah yeah exactly if it's fun too if it's a fun if it's fun i might watch it like i said i don't think it'll ever be something like sunday football where every sunday i'm watching football i don't think it could it will ever gauge me that much it would really need to you know crack down and be super competitive and entertaining but i definitely will give it a shot and if it's something enjoyable i could see myself if i'm not doing anything throwing it on just to have in the background or to watch every once in a while, especially my Michael Vick led Atlanta Legends. Yeah, we can we can easily just talk about this on the podcast weekly. We could we could if, become I mean, well, if it becomes big inches. enough, and yeah, we could become first and ten and fourth and inches. Our new our new podcast, our sub podcast in the NFL podcast, NFL slash AAF podcast. <laughs> it will. I feel like that'll actually become a thing for some people. What an AAF podcast. Yeah, I, I could see it happening. There's a maybe we could be the maybe we could be the pioneers. The pioneers for you the AAF. Know. Well, I mean, if we would, where would they find these kind of podcasts again? Well, we are on Apple Music or slash iTunes. I forget. I always like use the terminology. Yeah, me too. Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, maybe. which yeah, now owns Spotify. Anchor. Yes, which we are also on. We are also on Stitcher. For those who listen to Stitcher. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to none of the above, but you want to listen to us on our website, our website is first and 10, the number 10, sports.com. Well, that's very insightful, Michael. And I'm also really glad I found a way to start the podcast and end the podcast with the Alliance of American Football. I'm so glad. Go Hot Shots. Go Legends. All right, guys. I guess we'll catch you next week. Alrighty. Peace.